0: Where did we leave off? Are we going on? To- bro, check yeah. your gas.
1: Check your gas, man. Where, no, how's your
0: gas? I'm still. I haven't used any. Okay. All right. Good. I've been holding my. What breath. you been? You've
1: been <laughs> using a Borelli this whole time.
0: Basically, you know the one with the brass.
1: Let me uh, let me check my Client. clinger. I gotta check my clinger here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I better switch to my pony clinger. Hang on. (laughs) You and your pony bottles.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, people.
0: I just got an idea. We're
1: in, man. This dive is
0: in. Instead of calling them pony bottles in honor of this unicorn thing that has just taken off. Oh, it's everywhere. It's ridiculously... Time I, I want to say that hand, it's stupid, but Every time
1: I see somebody, they hand me a,
0: something unicorn. I know. So why don't we start calling them unicorn bottles instead of pony bottles? Consider Brilliant. it done. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliantly ridiculous. Just It just came to me. I have more of these ideas.
1: That's a good one. That's, that might be one of the best. Coffee. Yes. Okay. By the way, um, I did an experiment over the weekend. Uh-oh. Went out to uh, dinner with the old
0: wife. Is this uh, X-rated? <laughs> Are, can the kids hear this?
1: They can. They can. Okay. If you're 21 and over, you can hear this. <laughs> okay. So uh, Sunday night, you know, we get back from diving. Long day on the road. We went up. Went up to grab something to eat and grab a pizza. And I asked our bartender, who knows you by knows name, knows us. I said, "Hey,
0: this is like." Uh, I, said,
1: I, I said, "Let me ask you a question." Cheers, isn't it? If I asked you for uh, for a shot of Jamesy, what you know would you what? what would you bring me? <laughs> and he goes.
0: Old Jameson, yes, yeah. Jameson. Jameson, there you go. So here we go. Boom. You remember I told you the story about we always had Jameson left over, right? It, yeah, it yeah. wasn't Jameson. It wasn't. No, my memory is it's old Bushmill Irish whiskey. Bushmills, yes.
1: Old Bushmill. That yeah. one's. uh
0: That was the one we nobody would drink any of. It. <laughs> Even the Navy guys, and they'll drink anything. They'll
1: drink diesel from a
0: submarine. That's how bad they get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah i'd take uh, i'd take some jamesy over over the bush okay i'd love to sit and bullshit but we got a lot to do today all right well then stop bullshitting stop you bullshitting with me
0: so we left off in like 1 bc when jesus was uh walking on water and there were guys underwater holding his feet up next stop jacques Cousteau.
1: Okay, so when we last left off, we were coming out of uh, helmets and hard hats. Helmets and hard hats. We were getting to the evolution of this diving thing where, where we could take a human being, put them by themselves underwater, and free swim. Right, We hadn't gotten to that point yet. Right? They could free swim on a breath hold. That was it. They could... Uh, Go underwater and breathe, but it was with a monstrosity of technology that they had to bring down with them. Ridiculous amounts of weight to carry, uh, ridiculous amounts of weight to compensate for the giant bubble of gas that uh, was, was so buoyant with the different bells that they were carrying or the bags of goat skin air bubbles that they were trying to take with them to breathe. And we were just starting to get to the point where divers could be... Really independent of the surface at this point right now for short, very, very short duration. Short durations, right? Remember, a we, lot of times they're breathing their own air um, back and forth. Yes, and well, remember uh, Haley had the system that we talked about where he got you know ninety minutes. Well, up, yeah, up to he ninety was, minutes he on, was, on his uh, system. Yeah, right? so that's room. where. Yeah, yeah, and now we're going to start to see where people start to start experimenting with these different containers to hold air in this uh, industrial era that we finally moved into where we were using iron for various tools and weapons. We're gonna start to uh, use it to hold some gas. So there were a bunch of different people throughout the uh, coming century who were making a bunch of basically just different homemade custom designs to try to take care of this issue that they had of wanting to be underwater. And a lot of them were coming out of the need for um, mine building, And just breathing underground. True. Well,
0: yeah, working in the caissons, things like that, working in the mines, working down at depth. That was the driving force to a lot of the diving technology that we use today.
1: Yeah, and uh, when we look at scuba diving today in 2019, now the self-contained underwater breathing apparatus is the beginning level for most divers, and they eventually get up to the point of possibly going the rebreather route. Whereas in in these early early days, like these late 1800s, it was. It was the opposite, right? Self contained scuba was just not really practical because they didn't really have a way to, to hold and compress enough gas into a cylinder so they actually were developing those o2 rebreathers true early on which was the which was the way it really got started yeah over scuba
0: well it was yeah it was the predecessor of scuba with a compressed gas tank for sure they were figuring out a way that you could scrub the co2 out which i think they already kind of had an idea that yep they had that going potash would be used if i'm not mistaken uh it could remove the co2 out of your exhaled gas
1: and as we all know anybody who's taken a a real nitrox class knows can't go very deep and we got into some trouble my
0: computer will tell me (laughs) my computer that i better not go down there
1: (laughs) because if you go down deep you have to listen to the beepy.
0: the beepy noise will tell me to come back up
1: what's that beepy noise saying come back (laughs) Okay, so good old Brilski oh, continues to, uh, on uh, in, the, uh, in the January issue of Dive Training from 2003. Okay. He continues on to part two of this history of diving, which is also part or uh, which is also chapter two of his book. We get talking about the early pioneers. You and I talked last week about that uh, Borelli system, the, that Triton system, and the, the drawings and the, the, the designs by good old Da Vinci. And we also talked uh, briefly about William James and his system that he did of taking, you know, a couple of hundred psi of air underwater with a helmet that basically uh, free flowed gas into it so we could breathe back in the 1800s. But in Brulski's article, he mentions that an American named Charles Condert of Brooklyn, New York manufactured and used the first functional self-contained diving system back in 1831. So how did that system
0: look? What
1: what was he using? Like a He his design consisted of a gum impregnated suit that was partially inflated by a horseshoe-shaped air reservoir secured around the waist.
0: Did he have his SPG coming down his right side?
1: He had two SPGs. <laughs>
0: two SPGs, and he had a transmitter as well.
1: <laughs> but guess what happened? In he had the end?
0: three second stages. He died. He died. <laughs> he died. He died, <laughs> he died using his system. You're going to die. Well, you know, we joke, we've joked so much that if you do your own system, you're probably going to die. But in this case, it really was no joke. So, how did he die? What did he do? Did he die in like eight feet of water, five meters? I'm going to guess seven meters. Well, you, they don't say. No,
1: they do. They oh. do. I was just, um, well, how far you're, you're off am I? Six meters. Ah, not bad. I yeah, far, he was in twenty seven, feet I was of all water, the place. Yeah. and um, yeah. something happened, and he severed the air hose that supplied the suit. He
0: severed it accidentally or on purpose? No, accidentally. Oh, and he drowned own And he drowned a suit. as a
1: result. Well, that's a bummer. But it was a pretty handy system overall at the time. True. Right? And true um, in the late eighteen hundreds, there were refinements made to it adding Night back-mounted, uh, back-mounted air tracks. reservoirs, a second air system to inflate the suit and bring the diver up to the surface. Brilski says, while the Americans designed the first, the most famous self-contained design of the last century was de- developed by a French mining engineer, Benoit Ruc- Royal and his associate French naval officer Auguste de Niroz. Yeah, well, that I mean, we've talked about this. Yeah, we Adleratus started this already one a little bit last with time.
0: Uh, Jacques Cousteau using this as his, you know, was the predecessor? his uh, predecessor, his his inspiration for what him and uh, old Emile Gagnon developed. So all of these Wait. are related. They all everybody was standing on the shoulder of giants. You know, people who had died in the past. Uh, for their passion.
1: So I got this other great book by Brad Matson. Brad. Which is Jacques Cousteau, Thanks, the Brad. Sea King. Brad Matson, You
0: know him? Didn't we go to high school with him? Brad Mattson. And Brad. Where's he from? Brad, he still owes me money. Where's he from? Is he from around here? The name sounds familiar is the only reason I say that.
1: He lives in Washington State. Oh, yeah.
0: Brad from Washington. But he knows this guy.
1: So Brad writes about uh, Jacques Cousteau's early days... When he was part of les mousquemers, which were the sea musketeers he, oh he yeah. uh, Talia, and Dumas were the, the uh the sea musketeers oui, musketeers. oui, oui les mouque and when uh, you but... say it with
0: the French in a French way, it sounds you know can Le, you legit. say something ridiculous uh, in French I'm trying like to ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous.
1: <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, you know, Matson says that over the next three decades, other inventors came up with more efficient ways to carry air underwater. One of these, Talier reported, was close enough to real free swimming that the French Navy actually had the gear in its inventory in 1860. Benoît Rouquerol and French Navy Lieutenant Auguste Denereuse. Had patented a compact rig that a diver could carry on his back with no other special equipment. It consisted of a horizontal tank made of cast iron, strong enough to carry a few minutes of air at low pressure, which could be refilled through a hose from the surface. The beauty of it was that the tank could be briefly uncoupled from the air hose, which gave the diver a taste of freedom beneath the sea and death. Eventually, death, death, death. dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Also, probably how they, you know, learn the hard way don't hold your breath and go to the surface, kind of thing. I'm sure that they had already known that too. Now, this was
1: this was kind of the system that old Jules Verne kind oh, of saw and, and sure and used for the idea of breathing underwater and sure 20,000 leagues, Kirk Douglas, under the sea. and Kirk Douglas helped develop that as well. So, yeah, uh, Brilski mentions. Again, that self-contained systems were extremely inefficient and required large air reservoirs. So by the 1870s, interest shifted to developing an oxygen system that could scrub and recirculate the breathing gas, a system that we today call a rebreather. So 1870, the rebreather market started going.
0: Let's clarify that because we're using a... a a 2018 term. I think it was technology and maybe maybe uh, just pure drive for knowledge. Not greed in the market. Because I don't know. if I, well, Do you think really a market was driving it? Could be. Oh. I mean, I could be completely wrong on this. I've, But I don't know if there wasn't much of a diving market
1: back then. No, not yet. No, but That's I don't coming. even.
0: Do you think people were even like, oh, the market's going to be huge for this? The stock market's going to go out of control when I invent this. I don't think they were I doing don't that. think so at all. Right, oh, I think no, they were no, more no. like we want to explore it was more the drive and that's what i'm getting at is the drive for exploration more a more uh
1: yeah i don't think it was uh you know when less uh, greedy when when the guy invented the the flashlight to go walking around in the woods i don't i don't think his mind was it's on the market i'm gonna be able to sell millions of so these once i get thank this you thing. thank he just, you he just wanted to walk around the woods at night that's and that's what all and i'm trying this to is, get at yes yeah. this is where we're at with this right. as well I, I agree with you there. okay
0: because we use the term market now because most everything anybody does right now is driven by a market for it and a demographic that will buy their shit. They can get rich.
1: Like us. Donate to Patreon. <laughs> <'Cause this laughs> by the way, if you have any extra money and, uh, for the
0: price of a cup of coffee, you can get to your that brings, two us favorite... in, uh,
1: that brings us into our
0: first sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> we aren't that evil. I thought we, I thought we were going to never go there. It's so easy so, to get lost when, you, I, when the fame you, and fortune throws I send you itself that thing? at uh, your
1: Some uh, some guy liked our page. Yeah, so I guess that brings us to our first sponsor <laughs> on TGDP, Deep Sea Coffee Company. As uh, a uh, news, no shout Shade, out no. to Deep Sea. No, they I love just. You guys. Um, Actually, it, it does look pretty cool. I don't know if they actually have a real coffee yet or not. It says coming soon, but these guys just just liked our Instagram page and a couple of pictures. So hey, shout out to the guys over at Deep Sea Coffee Company. If you have any real coffee, send us some because we We'd drink we to, drink a uh, hell of a lot of it. You know, deep Sea. I saw no, a poster
0: the... of a deep sea diver with a a girl. She's like kissing him. Yeah, he's yeah, in the I've full. Seen it, yeah. Well, you can't find it anywhere. It's one time original. I tried to find it. You can't find it anywhere. But uh, I thought it'd be cool to grab that one. So if you're Searching.
1: The first successful rebreather was built in 1878 by Englishman Henry
0: Floss. Old Henry Floss. A lot of people don't know,
1: but he had a um, a lot of things
0: about Henry Floos.
1: No, that's what we're here for. Okay. Um, it was a you know a, a basic rebreather, carbon dioxide scrubber. Was worn on the back. Needed
0: uh It was worked on it. Uh, t- they used it for tunnel making, in that Severn Tunnel. In, in over in England. You are very That's correct. When, uh, yep, yep. They started using the old fluce apparatus.
1: Correct. The But he
0: was already involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, no, with, yeah. Uh, so uh,
1: it was um, uh, the Severn Tunnel, England, flooded and couldn't be. seen. So Lambert came into, I, into yep. the picture. Correct. See? See? You did do your homework, didn't well, you? No, I didn't. You but... just now started your homework, <laughs>
0: no. you son of a bitch. Teacher, I know the All the rest of the kids
1: in the class, they're sleeping. Yes, you are correct. The Severn uh, In the Severn River, it was used. and um, To make the Severn Tunnel. Yes.
0: and It's over in England, by the way, because not everybody knows, like we do, not everybody knows where the Severn Tunnel is. Well, in, in this,
1: so, Brilski goes into it saying that, unfortunately, the hatchway was not only 60 feet underwater, but also 1,000 feet back into the tunnel. A death-defying dive. One of the most famous commercial divers of his time, Alexander Lambert, made the excursion using the Fleuss oxygen apparatus. So amazingly, that he took that mm-hmm. O2 pure O2 rebreather and successfully did the dive, not realizing the PPO2. Yeah, the
0: hazards of high PPO2s. But again, they used to do this the oxygen toxicity test. The O2 tolerance test we did. I mean, every everybody did. I mean, back in the day, and if you were going into diving as a career, your school, the Navy, the diving academies, you'd have to go through O2 tolerance test. Right, sixty and feet.
1: Yeah, and some on pure O2. Yeah, and sometimes down there breathing it at two hours' you'd, you'd be fine. You'd be okay. Some days, not so much. Depends yes, on the it was, workload, yeah. depending on that CO2 buildup. Well, it depends
0: up. on the alignment of the stars mostly. If you're a Pisces with like a Sagittarius rising, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to be on high PO2s for the month of February.
1: What if you're a pissed off cancer that uh, was just in the traffic you're always for a traffic jam for 45 minutes? You're always a pissed off cancer.
0: <laughs> we're cancers. <laughs> <laughs> we're always pissed off and we're sensitive. Uh, so uh, watch how you talk about it. <laughs> But yeah Floos, the fluce apparatus was the I guess if you think about it that was like the first rebreather and I think a lot of them were modeled and he kept working on it I mean he kept developing little gizmos and devices that made it even more efficient yeah and, all the way uh, like, into
1: when you think of the, yeah, the frogmen in world War yes, II, exactly. that, that was basically the system that they were right. driving and then they you know
0: that was the at the very forefront of rebreather I would have to believe too and i'm not I'm not familiar with the history of rebreather technology but the bodies that lay in the wake uh for you know advancing oh, yeah, technology no like this you know as with all this diving yeah, history, for sure. right there's a there's a long list yeah. of people that gave their lives so i could go take pictures of uh school buses in the quarry <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you thank goodness, you you don't know what this means i just demeaned a whole <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now the the brilski article talks about in the the 19 early 1900s a Japanese system, the the Ogushi Peerless Respirator. Now, this was a wild little design. It
0: doesn't look very
1: mobile. No, I mean, it was a, a tank with a mask with a, a gauge and a valve and like almost looked like uh, carrying a stage bottle with a mask attached to it, but you had to, like, clench your teeth down uh, and then breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And it was a pretty difficult system to use, it seems. But it was adopted by the Japanese Navy. They were taking that thing down 200 feet. That's crazy. Japanese.
0: But, you know, you're looking at the the uh, home of pearl diving. Banzai! No, they, already, they already do... You know, the birthplace of Pearl Diving. I don't know if it's a birthplace. Or who knows? But they have a rich history in Pearl Diving. And the Pearl Divers, they would already be... Free diving down to depths like that, so for them to strap yeah. gear on is no big deal.
1: Which brings us to the. Uh, I guess I'm just generalizing. So this brings us to the early 1920s.
0: Are we gonna Are we gonna what, talk a little bit about Louis Vuitton? I know you said you wanted to talk about because he was at I this just
1: I just bought my wife a new Louis Vuitton. Louis <laughs> I just bought her a exactly. new Louis Vuitton bag, and she loves it. She loves it because she's it? like, I usually wouldn't spend that kind of money on myself. And I said, baby, you
0: deserve if, it. If it's Louis Vuitton, it's research for the great dive podcast (laughs) and you deserve it the french again the french are so i mean we're shocked full of french in the diving history it is it is it is and
1: bhutan was the original photographer oh yes yeah that's why that's a a print i would love to get too.
0: that's a cool shot too and it's just of uh who was the diver in it do you remember of course i remember of course just say it right off the top of your head that's not alexander lambert that he was with the floose device who is the diver? Do we know? Or the diver got no credit whatsoever.
1: Bhutan. It's older than dirt. So he and his brother, Auguste, yes. who was an engineer, they uh, they basically built an underwater camera that could uh, have some adjustments for the old uh, plates and the shutter and everything.
0: He has a pretty heavy-duty history, old Louis Bhutan, besides doing just that, he, developing that camera, that... One of the first cameras to actually take a good photograph underwater, you know. Yeah. So
1: he, he developed like a whole thing with like a, a, a way to like inc- encase the bulb, right. With oxygen mm-hmm. in the bulb, so that he could get light to snap that photo, right? Exactly, yeah. But exploding, I mean, exploding flash bulbs exactly. down there, and but yeah, pretty amazing for how he got started. And that's a pretty classic photo, yes, of the I hard hat one. of that's the hard the one hat I diver. Want on the wall underwater yeah that's a that's a, that's print. a keeper. yeah that's yeah. a print that I got to get for my uh collection little office here. Your this art is collection. A, yeah this is a, that's an awesome photo for
0: your gallery the James Mott Gallery of Art art of uh, scuba art the James Mott Gallery of Diving Art underwater related art but yeah he he actually went to after he made that camera he went to uh, Hanoi to work with the uh, pearl divers and whatnot oh did he yeah to study them. Then he came back and he was named professor of zoology there at his uh, university of Bordeaux, which I love. Bordeaux, a fine Bordeaux. Oh, I got uh, the.
1: I got a. I'm a way more of a. Let's go crack that open right. <laughs> I'm a way more of a Bordeaux man than a Beaujolais. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like them both actually. I'm uh, personally a fan of the old Saint Emilion Bordeaux. Really? We oui?
0: we. Oui. But uh. So he did that in uh, in the mid-19-teens, like the 1914, 1916 time frame. Uh, him and his brother kept working on the diving suits
1: Yes, yeah, for so was, he, the yeah. French
0: Army, not the French Navy, the French Army, which you'd think, you know, what the hell? But, yeah, the Army guys wanted— uh, one of their own friend, their own diving stuff. So one of the next visionaries. Oh, we're just gonna. St- we're not done. Louis went on and on. <sighs> oh, I I can. He imagine. went on to accept an Academy Award. I don't care about him. <laughs> he died though. Finally, I need a
1: belt. When did when did he start making belts?
0: So, well, that I think that was his brother Louis Vuitton. But oh, 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 anyway, he was named into the diving Hall of Fame just uh, not too long ago. Congrats. Eight years ago.
1: Nine years ago. So eventually we move on to another Frenchman, Yves Le Preux.
0: Yves Le Preux. Le Preux. Savoir Le Preux is everywhere. He and Fernet. Ah, the Fernier device. Is it Fernier or Fournier? Fernet. Furnay. <clears throat> Fernes.
1: Now in uh, in Mattson's book, The Sea King, he says that in 1934, a French Navy officer, Yves Le Preux, had combined a tank of compressed air instead of oxygen, a hand-controlled regulator and a full-face mask into a different kind of self-contained breathing apparatus. Advances in materials, technology followed foundries to cast stronger tanks to hold the air at higher pressures. Which meant more time underwater. With the improved Lepruyer apparatus, an untethered diver could swim free for 20 minutes at 20 feet, or 15 minutes at 40 feet, manually releasing air from the tank on his chest whenever he needed a breath. But breathing underwater was far from perfected, and this is the system that you know Jacques and the yeah. gang started playing around Real with. Real predecessor. And they were like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we, it's close, but it ain't there yet," mm-hmm. and then that's where they got working. So with-
0: you see all these giants that old Jacques. And Emile Gagnon are standing on their shoulders, basically. You got you got Le Priere, you've got the Roquiel Deneuve. Is it Deneuve? Come on, Mr. Frenchy. R- the Roquiel device. You've got Denaruz. Denaruz, the, 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 yes. Roqu- Roquiel Denaruz device. You've got what you meant. Le Priere device. You've got uh, Prières and using his de- uh, how do you say it? How you say Fernet device.: Anyway,
1: Hey, these you, were you, les musquemers.
0: Yes. We. Oui, they needed we. Oui. They needed the stuff.: So there were a lot of people that really contributed to Jacques taking all the credit. I mean, really, when you think of birth of scuba, most people think of Jacques Cousteau, right? Yeah, yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's and, what we've and, been told. Well,
1: and that's because they really cracked it open to make it a, a usable system. Well, they made they, the market.
0: Talier, they fucking got the market, well, man. Well, hang on, again. Green named
1: it. You know, Talier and the guys. You know, were using that Le Prieur system, but we're having problems with right. it. You know, it wasn't as working as great as they thought. Well, you know, sure. they were.
0: Everybody was having problems with everything, but I. I guess I'm uh, to the victor go to spoils, including you get to rewrite history or write history. I shouldn't say rewrite, but yeah, but they was, get out. The so,
1: credit. but it was you know it was hard to control the system. It, it free flowed gas, overwhelming, super could, finicky kind of th- y- yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a <laughs> yeah, it was, it was <laughs> <mysterious>.
0: all these <laughs> divers. Now we're going to get the hate oh, mail. We are. We are yeah. That's why you should not have put that phone number out there. Yeah, that Le prière diving, looking at that, you know, just to give people an idea. It looks a lot like uh, the early... Like even firefighters would have stuff like this. A little little tank strapped on your chest and you'd run in and it's got a full face mask.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where... actually a, a lot of it started with the design wasn't so much for scuba it was right. for things like firefighting and, and being going in underground mines, and right? the the mines, and stuff. yeah
0: exactly yeah, yeah where you couldn't breathe the uh, surrounding ambient atmosphere yeah but yeah you look at it i don't know if anybody knows what a jack brown mask it looks something like that you know what a jack brown mask is still in use i believe i mean many commercial divers would use it it's a uh, almost used for like a uh, surface supply very quick little jaunt down
1: yeah yeah we've got we've got one of those at the shop, shop. Yes, you do. Yeah, just like a big, big old full face mask with surface supplied, mm-hmm. yeah. or you could hook it to, yeah, hook it to a compressed gas. But yeah, yeah. So, messing around with the Le Preux system, they uh, the boys, the jockey, and the boys got that, uh, got their palate wet and taste buds flowing for that. Just being able to breathe underwater continuously, free swimming. And but they knew they needed to fix the system, and that's where they got. So going they got together,
0: building, and they poured themselves a few brandies. Yes, they as did. per was the usual to get the old lit up juices a, flowing. Lit up
1: a couple of cigars. cigars.
0: A lot of them are cigarettes, most French. Well, just cigars, cigarettes. Yeah, Jacques had a pipe eventually, didn't he? I don't know. I think he did because that's what I'm going to next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, he went back to uh, the old uh, drawing board. And started playing around ultra. with you know uh, you know he started playing around with more uh, O2 rebreathers till he had a couple of his O2 tox issues that we talked yeah, about in some yeah. of those past yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacques Cousteau big fish episodes that we've done close
0: calls it makes you wonder because you know you have uh, back in the 90s all the O2 tox cases that were were occurring during the early tech diving days. And uh, it seemed as if, you know, anybody who got toxed at 30 or 40 feet, they were dead people. They basically drowned. Whereas these guys toxed a couple times and they lived through it. So what were the, it it was almost as if they were destined to come up with this. You know, they survived things that today people just
1: croak. Maybe they're not, we're not made of the same. You think it was maybe that they were so on edge of the, they were like more in tune of just yeah, but assume, they still talks, like assuming so. it's gonna, assuming it's gonna go bad. So you're almost you're waiting, waiting for it, waiting and ready get, for it, and realizing the shit's gonna hit the fan versus most people that are toxic today are just so blindly they, well, they not believe paying attention they know anything. everything and nothing is gonna yes. happen. And yes, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah that's uh, my point. I think you might be
0: right, yeah. Although I do think Destiny maybe had a little, I'm more of a believer in Destiny. I mean, it's easy to look back, hindsight's 2020, 20, and you say, yeah, it was all destined.
1: On an unseasonably warm afternoon in January 1943, a half a dozen people gathered along an isolated back eddy of the Marne River east of Paris to watch Cousteau and Gagnon test their underwater breathing system. Simone was there, along with Gagnon's colleagues from Air Liquide and a storekeeper and his family from a nearby crossroads. Gagnon steadied the heavy backpack of three steel tanks as Cousteau waded from the low bank into the river. When he was knee-deep, Cousteau bent from the waist and put his head underwater. Except for Gagnon's grip on his arm, the world above disappeared. He crouched with his face in the water under the weight of the tanks, each of them wrapped with an outer layer of wire for additional strength. They decided on three tanks because the point was eventually to give Cousteau enough time to remain submerged for an hour at 60 feet. Wow. Impressive.
0: Impressive. think he was nervous or do you think he'd already done it? And now this was like the public exhibition.
1: Well, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, they were getting going on it. So. What would you do?
0: Would you go out in public, do an exhibition, never having tested it, and possibly take take the uh, brunt of failure? I don't no, think I no, would. No, no, because
1: they've been uh, they've been messing around right, with exactly. this. Exactly, you know, that's what I'm getting. Or yeah, nearly a decade, like right. Really playing with these. different I think systems. he still had gone on his own
0: in secret and tried it out, and it worked fine. So he wanted to wanted to make a big exhibition of it. But be the way I would do it. There's no way you would go take that chance, pulling your dead ass body out of the water. Not only will you have failed, but you'd be dead—double failure.
1: Well, so the, 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 that one wasn't great. That one wasn't great. No, they they had some issues with it. You know,
0: on that particular exhibition, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought he did it. He didn't do it. He came up early.
1: Well, the the problem was, you know, it, it wasn't perfect, but it was it where sufficed. they were learning. You know. Yes. And um, he could breathe, but there was issues with the bubbles. Oh, where the bubbles were going. You know, it was similar to the, the Furnay system because it was, like, free-flowing. So they but just had wasteful. to. They're, they're, so they're, but they're getting there. They're, yeah. they're getting it fixed, you know?
0: Yeah, they had to dial it in.
1: Funny thing is. Uh, Those flapper valves um, probably were shitty. Matson mentions that Gagnon could not swim, so he didn't test the system himself. Wow.
0: Ah. I can't swim,
1: but on the drive back to Paris, (laughs) you go test a Jackie. (laughs) I can't swim. (laughs) Can't even get in the water. Certified today. Let me help you build that. But uh, yeah, he'd be fine. (laughs) He could probably be an instructor. (laughs) So he was kind of living through Cousteau's words of what everything that was happening. And then um, after leaving the Marne River, they drove back. They're driving back to Paris, and they stopped in a Matson. Matson says that Gagnon rode in silence for a few minutes, envisioning a diver with his head up and the mouthpiece above the level of the regulator. With the diver's head down, the mouthpiece would be below the level of the regulator. The problem must have something to do with the difference in water pressure in different positions. Mm -hmm. Then, as though a light had clicked on, Gagnon had the answer. If a diver could inhale easily and the air did not free flow when he was horizontal, all they had to do was relocate the exhaust port from the mouthpiece to the same level as the diaphragm which would mean the pressure on each would always be equal. Boom, boom. a week after that, test dive in the Marne River, Cousteau's furlough ended. He had no choice but to return to Toulon with Simone and their sons. Then uh, eventually they came back, and in June of '43, old Gagnon charged up three tanks of the improved Aqualung with compressed air, crated it up, and put it on a southbound freight train as part of an air-liquid shipment. It's a little more detailed
0: than what we've covered in the past. It's nice to to kind of put all the pieces together. I always envisioned them doing everything in secret, but this doesn't seem as if it wasn't that much uh, secrecy, wasn't shrouded in secrecy as much as the idea I got before. So, all good, all good. But Uh, it gives you an idea, like okay, these were the little things they had to, the little subtle issues they were running into where they had to tweak it till we finally get to a, a. a scuba apparatus that we can actually use. Yes, and then... A scuba apparatus, I should say. Brulski
1: comes back saying that the Aqualong was brought to America in 1948 by Navy UDT commander Doug Fain. Uh, he says that the next year, Cousteau sent six units to Rene Bousseau's, a sporting goods dealer who owned a store near the UCLA campus. Seeing the potential value of SCUBA for scientific investigation, a young graduate student by the name of Conrad Limbaugh convinced his professor to buy two of the units. Soon after, Limbaugh, along with an associate, Andy Rechnitzer, began diving throughout the Southern California coast. And in 1950, uh, they got into the Scripps Institute of Oceanography.
0: That had been pretty cool to be living during that time, you know. A lot cooler than it is now.
1: Um, so they got into the Scripps University and uh, were diving around SoCal for a couple of years until there was an accident and somebody died, which got the administration at the school there to say, we need uh, an actual program. program. We need a manual. We need a class. And they got old uh, Limbaugh to create a training program that uh, was released in 1954 under the name of the los angeles county department of parks and rec sent three representatives al tillman bev morgan and ramsey parks to san diego to take this course oh bev morgan which made old limbaugh the uh the original scuba instructor
0: bev morgan of kirby morgan fame
1: yeah and by 1955 you'll be Pleased to know this that the total worldwide sales of Aqualungs, some 25,000 units. Wow. That's pretty impressive. 80% of which were in California. I wouldn't doubt it. So, all that French talk we were doing earlier, like all those Frenchies designing, working, yeah. creating, building. At the forefront. It made it the... to America. Everybody wanted it. Like, everybody wanted to start. Everyone wanted to see this stuff. Hell, hell's Yeah. And to take it all back to to France in 1960, Conrad Limbaugh died in a cave diving accident over in France. Oh, bummer! And uh, that's we're gonna have to cut it here for today. I think uh, yes, as we uh, continue on our history of diving. Now again, we're just we're just touching. We're just two scuba dudes. Yes. We're a little nerdy in our own right, but we're not that big of nerds that we know every little thing. I mean, there's we, too much def- Jamesy. Th- there is. There's I mean, we blew much. over yeah. a lot of stuff with like the the Hans test stuff, and
0: yeah, there isn't just five or fifteen or twenty people. I mean, yeah, I mean, to there's, thank there's... for our scuba, there's yeah. thousands. There are thousands of incidents. There are thousands of inventions. There are thousands of people that uh, really make up the base of this whole. Think we we'll, call scuba
1: and hopefully over the the years on our way to our millionth episode we'll cover we're gonna, them we're gonna all we to cover all of them we'll those cover every single one of
0: these this is my promise <laughs> if we make it to our millionth episode we'll have covered them all and we will give away 1 million dollars do you think we're going to make a million episodes you never know a million weeks dude if we even made if we if we make it to 10,000 10, uh, i want you to know that's wait, 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 that's 102 years <laughs> okay that's 1000 in 20 years that's 10000 in 100 years give or take so you're saying there's so a chance 1 million <laughs> yes. so i'm saying there's a chance yeah
1: okay so hey everybody uh are we uh are surfacing or is that a little no is we're that there. a little like something uh, uh, is that a little drop a marker we're dropping a marker right is here is that a little side Shoot, we should go yes, take it. let's do a you jump. To, we're we, jumping. You we got the gas? You got the gas? We, we can go over here. Can we go look at this? I over haven't here? even touched my gas. Let's. uh I've been We might hold. have to make it. Take a quick little peek over here. I've been on my
0: my Floose rebreather. I've been on my lipri my LePriere <laughs> device. <laughs> yeah, let's. Let's uh, let's drop a marker. We're gonna run a little jump line, and we're gonna go check this out. All
1: right. So stay tuned, peeps we'll be back next take that.